0: I'm Sarah Grace McCandless, and welcome to On Brand, where we take a closer look at brands through the lens of the consumer and their desire to create and cultivate true relationship and connection. I'm so excited about today's show. I have, as a guest, somebody who really is an expert in this space when it comes to customer experience and creating connection, and in an area and an industry that I think many of us can really relate to. Joining me today is Brian Wolf. Vice President of Global Customer Service for JBL. Brian, welcome to On
1: Brand. Hey, Sarah, Grace. Very, very happy to be here. Very excited to participate.
0: Well, I'm super excited to talk to you. I've I've been a legitimate brand fan for quite some time. And um, I think something that we can all relate to is the, the power of audio and sound and music. But I'd love for you to start first by telling us a little bit about your role with JBL.
1: Sure,, uh, happy to do that. Um, once again, thanks, thanks for having me. I think this is cool. We've talked uh, a little bit before. <laughs> um, so I'm heading up global customer service for for JVL. Uh, and as you alluded to, um, well we're actually part of a bigger company called Harmon, and I've been there um, about six years. And when you tell, Family and friends, you work for Harmon. No one really knows what that means. <laughs> so then I follow that up with saying that I work for JBL, or we have another brand that's really well known named Harman Carden. And then people's eyes kind of light up. So I am very fortunate to, to work for such a reputable, uh, longstanding, kind of historic uh brand like like JBL and Harman Carden. And it's it's easy to get excited. Uh, about work and doing what I do because we have some some really cool um, products. So I'm heading up uh, what we call global customer service for our consumer division. Uh, That is now a $3 billion um, company across across the world. Uh, So whether you buy something from us direct or from a retail shop, Um, Whether you have a pre-sales question or tech support or warranty, kind of anything to do with core customer service is one of our main parts of our org. And then the other really cool part of of our org as well is what we call um, NPI, new product introduction testing. So my team also, as I mentioned, we have some cool products as we develop new products. Uh, kind of in the you know thinking about customer experience and end user experience, um, we also test those new products as they come out from the lens of an end user um, out of box experience, how they use the product. Um, so we do that that as well. So that's a little bit about my my role in my team.
0: Wow, that's so interesting. I love that uh, the user testing. I really wasn't aware of that too, and. So you've got Harmon. It's like the parent company, right? And you've got some, uh, you mentioned some, sub brands underneath it. Now JBL, um, I think you're right. I think that's the one that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, and of course, and I have that. And there's so many cool products that are a part of that family. JBL has been around for a while though, right? I think it's been since like maybe the mid forties is when it was first um, came to be, right?
1: Yeah, I think we're actually about to hit a really key milestone and it's kind of all related to our conversation and the the year that we've gone through and selling online versus selling at retail and how people interact with each other and of course moving more and more digital. Uh, but JBL is about to have its 75th uh, year anniversary, wow. which is pretty cool. And so um, there's a lot of like retro products coming out and like things, uh, you know, t- tipping the cap to to the past and to history. So yeah, it kind of does play really into our space and my space in that we- we've, we've been around for a long time. And in some regards, um, the way I describe it is we're a little bit old school, right? I mean, we've been around, people generally went to a store, went to a uh, a shop to buy things. And as we know, uh, especially in 2020, things have evolved and, and changed, whether we wanted that change or not.
0: Right, exactly. Well, and so you've got a brand with quite some history here. You've had to pivot. It's a brand that's driven by innovation um, and, and really it seems like it's been on a rocket ship for <laughs> the last five to 10 years. And then we all got on a rocket ship we weren't prepared for Right. Uh, this last year. I'm gonna come back to that. I definitely wanna talk to you about the digital piece as well. I'm curious how you would describe, focusing on JBL, how would you describe where the brand is today in terms of uh, kind of the key pillars, maybe the vision and the mission with the brand?
1: Absolutely, so we are at its core, and that's part of this evolution that I'll speak to, uh, an audio company. We're about sound and music I think our most recent vision statement is something along the lines of we're trying to enrich people's lives with audio experiences. Mm-hmm. So no matter what and how we interact with customers and end users, that that is changing. Uh, and i'm and I'm excited about some of the things that we've done and and how it has progressed over time. But at its core, always our sweet spot uh, will be, uh, the music and the audio experience. So that, that goes into every product uh, that we come out with.
0: I love that. I, I was st- It made me think about kind of twofold here. So you've got this audio experience that sits at the heart of what you do, right? And then you've got the customer experience with that audio experience. And now I'm thinking of... Acronyms CX and AX and all these things that I'm making up. So, how does that fit in? I mean, you really you drive a lot of this, being at the forefront of the the customer service and and these sort of uh, new experiences that you explained as well. Where does customer experience fit into that uh, best in class audio experience that you provide?
1: Yeah, you can tell I'm already starting to smile when we get in when we get into this question. So, as I briefly alluded to. Our history, right? We're not, there's a lot of cool uh, direct-to-consumer companies that are out there. They're only a few years old and they've just sold online and that's what they did. And, and I follow a lot, of, a lot of those brands. That hasn't been us. Uh, so not that it wasn't important, but I suppose just to, to go back to my role a little bit, my role uh, starting six years ago was a net new role specifically for this. Um, In the past, as I said, it wasn't that we didn't care about your experience after you purchased. Uh, It was just more so much focus on the product side and on the audio side. And a lot of times you were buying from a small retailer like a boutique shop or even one of the the bigger shops and maybe you got pre-sales or post-sales support from that company. But over the last five years, we've continued to grow our direct to consumer business. Uh, and you know it was in the six, eight, even up to the 10% range. Big part of the business, but if 90% of your business is coming uh, from retail, how you interacted with us um, separately from when you got your product, it, it wasn't the highest priority. Well, so that upward upwards trajectory was going on anyway. And then, as we know, everyone mostly being at home this year, um, those numbers are up to 30, 40% of our business is online. So now, folks, when they're making a purchase decision, uh, when they're buying, when they're getting post sales support, if they have a tech support question, it's all between us and and the customer. And so it's just become much more important on capabilities that we allow for the customer to interact with us, Um, the channels that we offer. I mean, we're really owning now that end-to-end experience. So for me, people ask me, well, how, how has this year been? And of course, this has been a tough year for all of us, but from a work standpoint, Really, all it's done is, is for me and my team, is we're busier than ever because people are buying direct from us and, and engaging with us. Uh, so it's quite exciting, actually.
0: Uh, well, that's interesting, too, because I feel like what you're telling me is but that that runway was already in place, right? You were already on that path before this happened this year. Um, do you think, think that gave you some advantages? And if so, um, what were they uh, in terms of maybe being a little ahead of the game?
1: Yeah, um, it's been headed in that direction. And so one thing looking back, obviously we're in December now, kind of already looking back over the year. I do feel good around how, so let me just backtrack a little bit because you touched on the channels. When I joined um, our our digital capabilities, if you will, and how we supported customers, we were pretty basic. We had email and phone support over the years, we've implemented live chat, a virtual assistant, we do uh, support through social media. Um, so it's it's really, it was already coming along, uh, which which I feel really good about. And so a, an example is from this year that, to your point, really set us up for success. And it was kind of critical to us being able to get through a challenging and different year is, you know, when March came, We have, uh, I don't think I mentioned, but I think we are up to around 500, 600 people in our org. We do over 200,000 interactions with customers every month. And as most companies had to do in March, we had to move that whole team who typically works from large facilities and with their team, we had to move them home almost overnight or within a matter of days. And so as a tactical example, uh, some of our phone systems had to be down for a few days. And if we didn't have capabilities like the virtual assistant, um, chat, and social media support, we would have really been um, probably in, in a much worse position. So as you pointed out, we, we do feel good about the foundation that we were setting up course, no one would have predicted what happened, but we were actually in a pretty good place um, when, you know, when things transpired.
0: Well, and I think um, you're also in a place too, when you have this massive growth that you mentioned in terms of direct e-commerce, the middleman is kind of taken out, right? So um, whether it's a smaller boutique retailer or more of a big box, um, instead of talking to that retailer and partner about you, <laughs> you, so to speak, uh, they're talking to you about you. Um, have you found that that is, do you see growth in a particular area on digital on that front? You mentioned a lot of really great options there. You know, you have a bot and you've got email and social and chat. Is there something that's really kind of pulling forward right now?
1: Um, I, it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, the term as, as you, we probably know work in the same space. This digital term is being used quite a bit Mm -hmm. uh, as well as just customer experience overall. I I mean, I I guess I don't necessarily, I I mean, social media comes to mind as a support channel. More and more people want to use social media to, to interact with companies, but I think bigger picture, uh, I believe, and I heard this from your, your talk that you had with, um, last week's on-brand conversation, which was a good one. I think it's more about options and Mm -hmm. letting folks choose what channel is their preferred channel, how they want to interact with you, um, when they want to interact with you. And I think given most folks are at home, different hours than normal, uh, another big push of ours, not just from an efficiency standpoint, but back to that kind of providing options standpoint, is um, providing more self-service capabilities. Actually, um, in your once again, it was it was a, like I said, it was a good one. but last week, your your guest was talking about their online help center, and it was interesting because, we have what we call our uh, support section. So you can go to support.jbl.com. And, and this thing two years ago basically didn't exist. Wow. And now it's our one-stop shop for communicating with us, finding knowledge, uh, anything you can imagine. We want you to go there first, registering your product, Uh, We always want you to start there when you need support, and and we're very excited about that capability.
0: I do find, too, that that helps kind of uh, weed out sort of the commonly asked questions that can be answered by this type of self-service content, and then that gives your team the ability to really focus in on maybe some of those more nuanced situations?
1: Well, that's definitely the goal. (laughs)
0: You know, that get people to it first, right?
1: Timing is kind of nice, or it's interesting timing in that that seems like seems like a month ago. But you know what? Last week was Cyber Monday, wow. so you can imagine in consumer electronics uh, over the the Cyber Five that that they typically call it these days, um, we uh, we do more business over that time period than any time during the year. And as you said. As opposed to in the past, 90% of the time you go into a store, you look on the shelf, you take uh, the product out, and, and you have the product. Now you're buying it from us, so we have to walk you through the uh, order experience, the shipping experience, the delivery experience. So there's it's end-to-end. And as you may have heard, just in the industry and talking to other experts, uh, it's kind of a known thing. Shipping this year in the U.S. and globally, actually, but it's, it's a bit constrained. So a lot of companies, companies that I um, shop at, were sending out proactive information this year, this holiday, to say, you know, you should order early. And we did that as well, but it's still tough. So to your point... Um, if it's a pure, what's my order status, or where is my package, uh, and that information is available, and really there's not a huge amount of value add by you speaking to or exchanging a chat or an email with an agent, if you can get that information uh, from a virtual assistant or from a capability that points you to the tracking information, I mean, that's kind of a win-win for the customer, as as well as for our team uh, internally.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like that too. Um, I'm, you know, we've got we've got a couple of different touch points here. I love what you said too about these terms that are being thrown around. And sometimes I feel like, well, they're just they don't have as much meaning, right? We talk about things like digital transformation and omnichannel, end to end. And but here, you you really you're really honing in on this, and you know, you're talking about it much more holistically. Um, and you're building it more holistically. And I'm I'm curious what you would say are the common denominators, regardless of your point in the journey or the touch point from a JBL perspective. What are some common denominators with that experience that you really try to deliver?
1: That's a great question. I, I would say building off of our core which has always been our go-to. I mentioned the audio and I mentioned, we haven't historically been a direct to consumer company. We're a world-class company when we provide those audio experiences. I know that we can do it from a how you interact with us and a customer experience standpoint. Um, So I, I suppose I use our long history, success, uh, core values around being world-class. And I just bring that into my own area. So I think that's the, that's the common denominator. I mean, that's, that's pretty big picture being world-class, but we have, we have such which, such a great history in being world-class when it comes to audio. Now, I think we just need to evolve and be world-class uh, when we in, interact with customers.
0: Do you think that, um, you know, you talked about the massive growth in terms of direct sales. I think about certain industries in light of the pandemic that have, you said you weren't busy, you know, and it doesn't surprise me because there are certain industries that I think have gone through the roof. And this is one of them because we're spending more time at home. So whether we're outfitting our home office for, uh, you know, for audio from a work perspective or just from an entertainment. And I mean, we're kind of making our own, Movie, you know, uh, theaters <laughs> these days, right? So, do you think that that has played a part in demand? Um, and what are are there any trends that you're seeing coming out of that uh, for your industry in particular?
1: Absolutely, uh, it's definitely been. I mean, everyone knows that, and a lot of people, as we're getting near to turning the calendar year, are talking about that how how just amazing and different the year has been not to go into too much detail, but just how it played out for us. So March came, and I'm speaking mostly to the US right now, although similar for global as well. And really it was that fear of the unknown. What is going to happen to our business? And then as you mentioned, people's lives changed. And then we moved into this thing that I think is referred to as as the new normal, and everyone being home. And as we said, our direct business grew exponentially. And and I thought you were also going to mention, um, which I think is another key point: the working from home, but also the the school at home. There's just so many reasons now people are spending so much time at home, and they have uh, even more needs for these types of our core products like the portable devices, headphones, working from home, teaching at home, doing the school at home. Um, So what actually happened relative, as you can imagine, relative to our direct business, um, we actually had some situations where we didn't have enough product from an inventory standpoint. So we went from this, wow, what's going to happen in the March, April timeframe to oh my gosh, we're actually really going to be busy and we need more product to sell direct. And that kind of stabilized. And um, as you mentioned, I think some industries have been hit in maybe somewhat of a positive way based on all of this, but a lot, unfortunately, as we know, in a negative way. And I think for us, it's, it's mostly been a positive. And our business through this roller coaster of a year is actually doing quite well and really teed up uh moving into 2021 to have a great, a great year.
0: And you made a great point too. I did forget about another component of this, which is uh virtual learning, right? I guess that's because I'm a dog mom and not a human mom. <laughs> I'm thinking about my brother and his three kids, but everyone's dealing with that too. So all of the things are at home and have changed. Um what do you think will like stay regardless of other shifts, right? Like we have vaccines and I mean, there's a safety issue, right? Which is why we're, we're more at home now. That's not going to be forever. There is an end, uh, you know, it's a finite period of time. What do you think are some things that are going to stay as a result of this last year and maybe even be more beneficial for the organization?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great one. I, I don't think for us, and I think I can say this and I think my leadership would be fully supportive of this, I don't think we're ever gonna go back to exactly how it was. So um, we were mostly a work from the office company uh, and I think this situation, and I have had a lot of conversations around this, I think the situation has proven that people working virtually and not having to commute or travel actually can be more productive uh, working that way. Of course, uh, meeting in person will always be valuable and have its its place in the whole, uh, I don't know, corporate, corporate working style. Uh, but I think uh, working virtually uh, will to some extent stay, or there'll be like more of a hybrid. And I think uh, our, And and it's an interesting point. I talked about the direct-to-consumer, and I've kind of focused a little bit on on the U.S. market, but it's also been really uh, interesting in Europe. So I think culturally, obviously, I don't live there, so I'm not as close to it. But what my colleagues and my team says, those folks that work in Europe, say they were a little more, I don't know if it was reluctant, but they hadn't moved to buying online maybe as much, pre-2020 as the U.S. market had. And now they've done that as well. And so I think the I think the direct to consumer and you see so many brands and there's so many great best practices of companies that are selling direct and just absolutely taking care of you, whether it's for a return or support or whatever you need. I think that's here to stay. And I, I suppose in a way that's exciting for my team that gives us more stuff to do and, and figure out. But I think uh, those are some of my thoughts on, on how it's going to be moving forward.
0: I love that you reminded us too. This is a global brand and and you spoke to a few little nuances from a global perspective. Is there anything else that you've kind of noticed or that sort of um, risen to the top? Uh, Maybe you already were kind of keeping an eye on or really just kind of became more visible as a result of this last year in terms of differences in different regions.
1: Oh my gosh. One of, I tell family, friends, colleagues all the time that one of the most rewarding things about my role, and and and, and you're right, I shouldn't uh, focus so much on on the U.S. market because the fact that we have a global team, um, and this is an interesting point and also relative to, uh, or relevant, I should say, to, to the year that we've gone through. So when I started, my scope of my role was primarily the U.S. and Europe. And over the years, Uh, as we've established our blueprint and best practice of how we want to provide support and interact with customers. Uh, The scope, uh, uh, geo wise uh, around the world has continued to expand for us. And now really our team, we work as a truly global team. And we did that, excuse me, prior to 2020. And we had once a year what we called annual summits, and we were definitely in contact with each other on a regular basis. When everything went virtual or has gone virtual almost exclusively this whole year, in a way it's actually brought us closer as you and I are talking of course right now on a like a Webex or a Zoom or, or whatever this one's called, <laughs> um, I mean, we're we're together all the time. And so I was doing a, a different presentation and uh, as, um, as kind of showing the difference between 19 and 20 on a slide, on one side of the page, I had uh, a picture of us when several of us were together at this annual summit. And then on the other side of the page, I had a picture of us, we use WebEx, in a WebEx with all of our faces across the tiles and just to show the difference, and I know a lot of us have lived through this, but um, be, I, I tell people all the time, interacting with people from around the globe on a daily basis is one of the very rewarding things of my role. And absolutely, whether it's uh, Diwali in India or different holidays across the globe or the, the language support that we provide in Brazil with Portuguese or you know several languages in Europe, Uh, We support Russia now. We're opening a site in Mexico City. Um, So there's always these regional cultural differences that uh, I'm learning new things all the time. And it's it's very rewarding.
0: Wow! So you're actually more connected globally as an organization. Uh, Would you say the same more connected in some ways with your customers as well?
1: Yeah, so on your first point, absolutely. I think if I look back at this year, we're our global team, based on what we just described, is actually closer now than we were a year ago. And we haven't seen each other in person all year. <laughs> and then as far as the, the the consumer or the end user, yeah, it's a huge push for us. Some of this, as you mentioned, was already... In the works, mm-hmm. and and I I'm not trying to belabor the point about us being less of a selling direct company, and now we just are. So we we're implementing capabilities like a 360 degree view of the customer, many capabilities around registering your product, whether you buy it from us or retail, so you can very easily get warranty support or tech support. Uh, And also, so we we start to cultivate that relationship with this customer. In the past, we cultivated the relationship with the B2B customer. Now that we're B2C, uh, we have to evolve. I think all of my colleagues, all of our functional areas, whether it's um, our online store, our warehouses, our customer support, I think we would all say we've come a long way over the last three, four, five years, but we have a long way to go. I mean, we're we're we have a lot of the fundamentals in place, uh, but we have a lot to do in order to enable a world-class experience across all those touch points. And one of the first things that we need to do to enable that customer relationship is is know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't want to be over the top about it, but if you come to us, um, the classic example that I always use, and you know the space as well as I do, is someone wants to call in or email in or chat in, whatever they want to do, and whether they need to be handed off or whatever the case may be, if you're sitting there repeating your information over and over to different people or through a different channel, that's that's just those are the basics. And we've cleaned a lot of that up. Um, but we really want to know about you so that we can deliver that world-class experience. The other thing is, uh, makes me think of, of personalized experience, customized experiences. Um, uh, it's interesting. We have to clarify personalized versus, uh, customized experiences because we also real quick sales plug. <laughs> we, um, you can personalize our products online, right. which is super cool <laughs> So go out there and personalize at JBL Flip because they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but taking that a step further, we want to know, okay, are you a loyal customer? Do you buy a lot of stuff from us? When I shop, whether it's for retail, furniture, wherever I shop, when they know about me and they give me uh, custom experiences or they give me different support options or a different experience because they know that I'm a long-term loyal customer. Obviously, I work in the space, but that kind of stuff just really resonates with me. And so I want our team, we talk about this all the time, that's kind of our next step. Let's get the basics in. Let's get the foundation. Let's deliver a great experience, but now we need to take it to the next level.
0: But well, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. And was, that's where I was going to kind of bring everything to a close here is I, I've been thinking so much about these audio experiences that you deliver this kind of world-class experience. And, and there's a listening, right? Like we're listening to things through these great products. You're listening to your customer. You're trying to understand who they are, where they are, and, and it's to build a better experience for them as well. Would, would you say that's fair?
1: I'm glad you brought this up. So I mentioned we need to move the the needle, if you will, on knowing about our customers, having a profile, having this holistic view of you as an end user, what your preferences are, what products you own, um, all of those types of things. The other thing that we made a lot of progress on this year and will continue as we move into the subsequent years is around uh call it the voice of the customer or listening to the customer we get thousands of product reviews on our websites we have uh, as you know social media channels out there where customers are making comments either asking for support or just making comments, feedback about our products. Um, so, so much data out there. There's reviews on not just our branded sites, but other sites. And we haven't, in the past, made it, uh, in my opinion, a, as big of a priority as it should around, around mining that data, listening to the customers such that we can feed that back to our product teams to continuously improve our products, but also our our capabilities. So uh, as I mentioned, customers have feedback right now on how we ship things to them or how you order or the support you get from my team. So across the board, uh, as we've evolved, uh, we've said it many times on this call, but to more of a B2C direct to consumer model, We hear from, the the customers are engaging with us. We absolutely, it it would be a huge missed opportunity not to be listening actively, looking for trends, mining the data, proactively getting back that information to the respective teams so that we can improve across the board, our products, our, our services, our capabilities. Um, so that's also a really big area for us moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on. You know that that's an area I'm really passionate about too, because your customers will tell you where you're hitting the mark and, and where you might be missing things and can adjust and pivot accordingly too. And I, I think what you just said is something that applies to many verticals and industries as well. Uh, so really appreciate that. Brian, your expertise and your time is so valuable. Thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation. Um, I'm sure there's more to come too. I'd love to kind of revisit this um, three or six months from now and see where things are going, especially with the kind of trajectory that you've been on over the last year or two. So thank you again for, for taking the time and for sharing your insights.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Uh, this was a great, great conversation. I, I know you're passionate about this area and and I certainly am as well. So it's, it's nice to kind of exchange uh, ideas and, and thoughts uh, and very happy to be here and thanks for having me.
0: Great, thank you.